Well, we are wrapping up this, um, this year of yes and this stepping into yes. Um, stepping into yes is about having the uh, life of faith that's going to be required to actually go out and do the things that God called us to do. So we've been looking at faith stories in Hebrews chapter 11. It's been fun to, to, to look at those stories, and we're just, just wrapping it up. I'm going to be at the end of Hebrews 11 today. Don't forget how we've been defining faith. Faith is trusting in the character of God and stepping out into his promises. Trusting in the character of God and stepping out into his promises. Living a life of faith is saying, okay, Lord, you've got some things out there for me. There's some yeses for me in my life, and I'm going to have to trust that you're going to be good and faithful and powerful, and I'm going to step out into those things that you've called me to do. And that's going to require faith. That's what faith is. And so we've been looking at people who have been living like that. And my title today is, Those Who Went Before Us Knew That It Would Be Worth It. See, this text is all, this Hebrews text is all about this sort of this parade of men and women of faith who have stepped out and lived lives of trusting God. All the people that went before us. In fact, Ben's going to preach on Hebrews chapter 12 next week. Remember, it's the passage that starts, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. This is the cloud of witnesses. These are the people who went before us. And I want to preach this morning about the fact that they knew that it was going to be worth it to live like that. In other words, we're going to sum up what it is that we learn from these heroes of faith. What is it that we're supposed to learn from these heroes of faith so that we can figure out how to apply living like that? So here we go. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 and following. I'd love to read it for you. I don't have it all up on the screen. In fact, maybe this is a good day for you to grab a Bible. Honestly, we say that and then you all stare at me and then you feel lost later and wish you did it. Hebrews 11 in verse 32, because I'm only going to have the beginning and the end verses up there because it's, it's a little bit longer. Um, but it might be interesting for you to check it out and see it. At least it'll be easier to listen. Hebrews 11, 32. Anybody have a page number from a church Bible? 1115. That's my combination of my ATM. That's awesome. <laughs> Just kidding. I cannot trust most of you people. I'm not telling you. I'm telling you what my ATM is. Hebrews 32. Here's the word of the Lord. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets. He's just told us about all these people, and we've been preaching on, on most of them through Hebrews 11, all these different people that are living by faith. And he goes, and now what more am I going to say? I can't I don't have time to tell you about them. And he names six people, he says, and the prophets. And then he starts to talk about what their impact was. These are people who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions and quenched the fury of flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who were powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. I mean, he's like, man, this, these are people who, it, wild stuff happened to them, these people of faith. Verse 35, women received back their dead, raised to life again. Come on, that'll preach. There were others, though, who weren't so victorious and weren't so like, wow, look at this. Look at how he describes some of these other people who live by faith. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. That's what a life of faith looked like. Verse 36, some more what a life of faith would look like. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. This is so encouraging. Praise Jesus. 
They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, which is basically not having clothes. They were destitute and persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them, he says in the middle of this. They were treated like they were worthless, but the world, in fact, wasn't worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Wow. These, though, were all commended for their faith. Verse 39. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received the full promise since God had planned something better for us so that together with us, they would be made perfect. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But that's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a little scary, isn't it? It starts with this phrase when we start thinking about what is it that we're going to learn from these people of faith. He starts, he, I don't know if it's a he. We don't know the author of Hebrews. It could be a she. The author of Hebrews starts with this phrase, and what more shall I say? And that's actually sort of euphemistic to say. What he, the author is trying to say right there is, and t- seriously, what more can I tell you? Like, uh, what do I got to tell you about this? These people were amazing is kind of the sense of this. What more could I tell you? Gee whiz, what more do I have to say about it? There's a bunch of people and he talked about a bunch of them, and then he listed six more, and he said, and the prophets, and then he listed a bunch of unnamed people. He said, there's a bunch of people out there who lived like God was real. And in some cases, crazy miracles happened, hallelujah, wow. And in some cases, their lives were so impactful that they even suffered for it. It was so costly. Their investment in the kingdom was so costly that they suffered according to the culture of the world, the way this world works. But God had his way in their lives. What more can I tell you about this stuff? And he says, well, let me try some stuff. And here's some three things that I want us to reflect on as we end this series on these great stories of faith. What do we learn from these people? What more can we say? One, they were commended. Verse 29, they were all commended for this faith, for this life of faith, for this lifestyle of living for God. When you kind of go through the list and then you look at the six that he just mentioned, there's really no common denominator about any of it except that these were people who faced nearly overwhelming odds of humanly speaking being able to survive or thrive or accomplish anything for God. Does that not sound like you're in my life? That's what it's about, man. We're always like, does this faith come into play? Is it really going to work for me? These people faced overwhelming odds, so they had to keep their faith in God. The only other common denominator in this is that if you go through and you, and you talk about, you read about what each person who was named, they were all super flawed people. That's like us too. These people had serious defects in their faith journey, and they were at the end commended for being people of faith. Does that give anybody in this room hope? They were not other than us, friends. They were us who faced life, who went and took God into the midst of their journey and said, man, God, you got to come through for me. And great things happened and great costly things happened. They succeeded and they failed. And in the end, they were commended for being people of faith. That's us. At the end, they were commended for being people of faith. And I want to tell you, this isn't they were commended for being people of faith per se, like, oh, he's a person of faith. It it was translated. This was a person who lived by faith. This is a person who believed God and lived like it, each one of these people. None of us are going to be commended for 
having faith. There's no such thing as just having faith. faith. Friends, what's our definition? Faith is trusting in the character of God and then what? Stepping out. Faith is never like, oh, you got faith. Good for you. That means nothing. Having faith is stepping out in the character and the promises of God. And that's what these people did. And at the end, they were commended for having done that and then impacted and affected everybody around them. They changed the world. Some of them changed the world a little bit, the people around them. Some of them changed the world a lot, the people around them and people that came after them and just had, and, and kingdoms were, you know, what's the, all that stuff they were talking about. Justice was administered and kingdoms were conquered and miracles happened. But all of these people were commended because they had faith. They lived like God existed, and they stepped out. They were commended for that. I love that at the end of their story, the scriptures say, listen, what do I got to say about living, about living for faith? These people went through a whole bunch of stuff, some of it miraculous, some of it hard, all of it they're normal people. They were, they were a mess. But in the end, they were known for having lived like God was real. That's the end of their story. That's their legacy. That's what their life was about when it was all said and done, that they had lived for God. And they were known for that. I just stopped. I just halted when I was studying this text this week about what I was going to preach on. They were commended. My friends, does that stir something in you, the warrior for Jesus in you that says, what am I going to be commended for when my story's written at the end? What will I be remembered for? What will be the legacy of my life? What will be the, the, the way to sum up what it is that I lived for? I don't, I, don't, I don't mean to be morose or trite because this is kind of a funny thing to say, but think of your funeral right now. You know the silly little joke, live in such a way that the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. <laughs> live in such a way that the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. What will you be remembered for? What will your legacy be? What will you be commended for? They were commended for their faith. And at each of their funerals, so to speak, everybody got around and they didn't have anything left to say except that woman lived like God was real and it impacted everything. That's it, friends. There's nothing else that you should be commended for at the end of your life. There'll be some smaller things. There'll be things like, you know, your daughter, she's going to cry and she's going to go, you was an awesome daddy. And that's awesome and that's touching and everybody will cry with her. But the reason you were an awesome daddy is because you lived like God was real. That's what we need to be remembered for. Men, nobody's going to care that you had a bigger house than somebody else. Nobody's going to care that you had a decent life insurance. They'll appreciate it, but that's not at the end what you will be commended for. Are you with me? This stirs us because we think, right, now is how I live in such a way that at the end of my story, I will be commended for living like God was real. And it will impact everything around me and everybody around me. They were commended for their faith. That's what we learn from this. Second, they were the lives of, their lives of faith came to full fruition, not in themselves, 
but only in the lives of the people that followed them. Their lives of faith came to full fruition, not in them, but in the lives of the people, in those that came after them. If you look back at 38 and 39, or sorry, 39 and 40, the end of this text, these were all commended for their faith, but none of them received what had been promised. Now, Earlier in the text, it said that they had received some things that were promised, but this is like capital P, promised, meaning they didn't get to see the end of God's plan that they were all living in. They didn't get to see all that God was doing by writing their story and creating the people of Israel. They didn't get to see, and namely, they didn't get to see that the Savior was going to come through God's people and that the whole world would know the free gift of salvation through Christ. They didn't get to see the end of that. And he says, look, at none of them received what had been promised. I mean, sorry, the author said, but since God, they didn't see the end, since God had planned something better, what does the text say? For us, the writer says, for us now who came after them. They didn't get to see what their life was going to fully accomplish because God had actually something better for us to experience. And only what they did had its full impact when it met with who we are. Friends, our life of faith is never about the now and the here and the me. It's always about the people that will come after us. And those people may come after us this afternoon or tomorrow or next year or in a generation or in three or 10 generations from now. But a life of faith, by definition, is an investment. It's saying, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm going to invest. And when I invest something, it's going to come to fruition in the future. This is why it's so hard to find people of authentic faith, because honestly, we're so dang self-centered. I want my faith to work for me. I want my faith to make me feel better. I want my faith to reduce my pain. This is how we live. Okay, is it just me? That's just me. That's just me. I'm sorry. Confessing my sin. But lives of faith are about investing in those that would then come, those that would follow us. And again, it could be people that are following us, following us, like your kids are following you today, tomorrow, on Saturday, and your neighbors are following you. But it could be also the people that, are gonna have imp- that we're going to have impact on their lives in days and years and in generations to come. Many of us know this because we can track our own spiritual lineage, can't you? How God designed how things worked so that somebody's grandma somewhere changed diapers and the nursery and that kid grew up in Sunday school and became a Christian and then that person ended up becoming over here a leader on your campus ministry and then you were the Yahoo that went into the fraternity and met him and started to hear about, right? Like you're like, oh my gosh, how God does that. And we live lives of faith and obedience. We go where God tells us to go and we live the way God wants us to live and then we just interact with people and then down the line that has impact that we have no concept We could never design it that God is so good and so gracious. But lives of faith are saying, I don't know. I don't know how today's not about me. It may not even be about the people that I'm right in front of. Today may be about five years from now. It may be about three days from now. Maybe. This is what we learn from people of faith. They were not about the now. They were not about the me. They were not about today. They were about the ones that would come after them. This is why we get so nostalgic and romantic about the saints who built this church. Because 40 years ago, 40-whatever years ago it was, meeting in the school, and 30-something years ago building this original footprint building, these were people who said, oh, we need a church in Marin. There's great churches in Marin, but we need a church that will add to the work they're doing. And we're going to add to the work they're doing in a way that we do this, as we covenanters do this with grace and truth. 
right, with joy and with, uh, uh, with seriousness. The, the balance that we are as a church that you experience now, that spiritual DNA was put into place 40-something years ago in saints who believed in God, lived like he existed, and their ministry continues to come to full fruition generation after generation after generation in this place. I'm so grateful for those saints. Those guys were awesome who built this church. Some of, you, some of them may even be in this room right now. I'm so grateful for that. They are who we've become. They were who we've become. They've impacted us. And friends, all four of my kids found Jesus because of them and their investment in this church. That is so glory, right? And my friends have found Christ because of them in this church. And my neighbors have a place that they can come and can seek God in that works for them and fits with this culture and makes sense and is sensitive and is true and all this because of the DNA they put in. I love the fact that those saints went ahead and built this place. And they didn't build it just physically. They built it spiritually, didn't they? But they also built it physically, literally by blood, sweat, and tears. There are people in this room who had skin knuckles and worn out knees because they had to finish this building because they didn't have the money to go pay a contractor to do it. And here we are in this place. I love it. I love that those saints went ahead of us, lived like God was real, and we're experiencing the impact of that. I love those saints. I love the saints who four years ago said, get me on that committee. I want to be on that MC5 committee, we called it. And we started a capital campaign called Now is the Time. And we expanded this room, and we built that lobby, and we built the student ministry center, and we redid and enlarged the student ministry center. This place got tricked out, not because it's so awesome, look at us, we're so great, but because we were more prepared to have more people come and learn about Jesus, have more kids be cared for in a safe manner and a, and a, and a powerful manner. I mean, we, there were saints, and you're, in, you're part of them. Four years ago, whenever we conceived this, and three years ago, we started giving money to this deal, and then we built the building, you guys. We maximized this space. And you see what's happened? We've grown since then. And our giving's up since then. And people are finding Christ since then. Every aspect of our church is bigger since then. Not bigger, more. There's more people being impacted. I love you saints that have invested in that. Oh, by the way, if you're sitting here going, um, I didn't invest in that. That was not about making you feel ashamed. I'm so sorry. But we got some debt. You want to get on board? Why are you laughing right now? We do. We, we said, hey, we'll go up to 600,000 debt, and we took all of it, and it's down to 300. So some of you that are newer are going, I, I want to get on board. I, I wasn't, for three years, I didn't help pay for this, this behemoth, but I want to get on board, and you're helping us do that. So if you want to get on board, let's knock that debt out. That'd be awesome. That's a lot of debt. Some of you that are already money people, like you do money, you're already like $325,000 in debt, debt service, it's good loan, but that's, let's get rid of that. So I'll, I'll receive checks after. Now, now, you can let us know if you want to do that. I love those saints who invested in that. And then I love the saints who last year in our ministry year got on board and saw in the bulletin that we were ahead of plan. Friends, you saw in the bulletin that we were ahead of plan. You know what that does to normal humans? Normal humans go, well, they don't need my money. And man, dude, I love me some lattes. So that's it. I'm out. But you guys kept giving. 
Because you're people of faith who believe that your lives of faith, living like God exists and investing in the kingdom of God will have its full impact in the generations that are going to come after you and the people that are going to come in the ways that we figure out how to invest this money in ministry so that more people will know Christ. You're like, I totally get that. And you kept giving. I love the saints who built this church. I love the saints who rebuilt this church. I love you saints that are given to this ministry that we're doing. That is all good news. Friends, find your investments in who is to come. Find who are your beneficiaries. Who, what, find your people to love and your ministry to serve in and your needs to support and your and the bills to pay for Jesus. Find it and invest because our lives are going to impact in love, in ministry, in finances are going to impact the people that come after us. And that's faith. Third, they found it was not even close to being easy. These people who live these lives of faith found it wasn't even close to being easy. I tried to find better English, couldn't come up with it. They found it not even close to being easy. You read the middle section of this text and it's awful. It's terrifying as a matter of fact. Let's face it, this list is scary. But faith, these investments, is a life of not about now and not about me And so it leads, listen, if you're going to live not about now and not about me, but about whatever God says, because I believe God's real and he's talking to me and he's calling me to invest in his kingdom, if you're going to live that way, it will lead you to some costly decisions, some sacrificial decisions, which leads to some pain, which leads to some exhaustion, which leads to fear, which leads to risk, it leads to suffering in some cases. Oh man, that does not preach in 2015. But people who were commended for their faith and who lived for the people that would come after them found that it was not even close to being easy. But, and Paul calls it being fools for Christ because the world goes, what are you doing? But they found it to be worth it. They found it to be worth it. And the scripture has this really funny little phrase in there about the world was not worthy of them. The author saying these people were suffering and struggling and sacrificing. It was costly for them. And he goes, but the world wasn't even worthy of them because they were treating those people of faith like they weren't worthwhile. But the author's like, oh, no, no, no. It's the opposite of that. What they did was so worthwhile. Believing that God exists living like it, investing in the kingdom of God by loving and serving and giving will always be worth it. I've never met a saint who believed otherwise. I've never met a saint that at the end of walking this journey of building churches and loving people and serving and giving and living for other people and, and being willing to do and go wherever God tells them to go, I've never met a saint at the end of that who said, yeah, I don't know. I should have really been more about me. But I've spent a lot of us who have said, I feel like my life is so wrapped up in me, me, me. It's not going to be easy if we decide that we'll go anywhere and do anything and give crazy love and time and money to the kingdom of God. It's going to be hard. And it will always be worth it. 
I want the band to come up and we're going to worship in just a minute, but I... I'm going to tell you a story. I found myself telling it twice this week and I thought maybe the Lord had it for us and you may have heard it from me. When we, um, we were part of this church in, um, this is our second time at, at Marin Covenant, and in 2002, we were sensing that God was doing something and wanting to be God's people. Linda and I finally heard the Lord tell us that it was time to leave Marin Covenant. And we were so ticked. <laughs> no, he's not saying that. He can't possibly be saying that. But we had said that we were going to listen to the Lord and walk with the Lord and live by faith. And eventually we became convinced that that's what God was saying, and so we had to go. And we went to a new opportunity. I became an executive director at a discipleship ministry at a Bible college, and we went off to Colorado, and we went mad, and we went brokenhearted, but we went because we felt like that's what God told us to do. I wish the story was super sweet and simple, that as soon as we got there, ministry just exploded, and we were saved from the sword and all that kind of stuff in this deal. But it was more of a desert, friends. Have you had the experience of hearing God say something, of taking some risk, of giving sacrificially, of doing something that you think that God wants you to do, and you get on the other side of it and you realize, crud, this is hard. And it really didn't get much better for us. We lived in sadness and in grief. I feared that my kids were going to hate me. Our oldest daughter, Brooke, was a freshman in high school at the time. That's a good idea. Let's move. Thank you, Daddy. Good call. Oh, you said Jesus told us to do that? Oh, he's awesome too then. (laughs) And we went, and we did ministry, and we loved our family, and we did our lives. It is really hard. We never quite figured out why it is that God had us there. And I'm not kidding. I don't know that a day went by for three years that I didn't miss and long for my friendships and my deep fellowship, and this church, and this county that God had put deep into our hearts. I didn't understand what God was doing. It was really hard. This is not a story about coming back here, which is another story. How awesome is that? I'm standing here talking to you right now. This is a story about the fact that I didn't understand why it was worth it to go. But I was just trying to be obedient, living like God existed and told me what to do. Because at the end of that time when we knew that it was probably time we felt the freedom from God to not just bail on that job that I was in and on that state that we had moved to, when it was time to go and we knew that we were probably going to be moving on, I was um, talking to my daughter who was a senior in high school, Brooke, who was a senior in high school at the time and was walking with God and looking to serve God and and in fact is in full-time ministry now and We went on a run. We were in San Diego for a family wedding. We went on the run on the beach in La Jolla. You know that great big flat city beach? The Scripps Pier is out there. It was just a spectacular, beautiful setting. And we went for a run on the beach, and we were talking to two of us. And I wanted to let her know. I said, hey, it's kind of a secret, but I want you to know that we're not going to be in Colorado probably next year. So as you start thinking about applying, or the year after, so as you start thinking about applying for schools here in your senior year, just know that we're not going to be there in case that factors into your decision. And I must have been sort of apologetic about the fact that we dragged her out of San Marin High School and took her to Colorado. And and she stopped me and she said, Dad, do you understand that moving to Colorado was the best thing that ever happened to me? I'm like, what? Do you understand that moving to Colorado was the best thing that ever happened to me? I I had no idea you saw it that way. Why? And she goes, you don't know, but I was not in a good place my freshman year here. 
at all. I go, I know, being a freshman's hard. She's like, no, no, daddy, you have no idea. Does that terrify every one of you fathers? <laughs> she said, I don't know what would have become of me, but I wouldn't have been walking with the Lord. But now I know him and I love him. Moving to Colorado was the best thing that ever happened to me. I couldn't run anymore. I felt floored by the weight of this good Holy Spirit who said to me, would that have been worth it for you to go to Colorado? And of course, the existential weight of that reality just flooded me. I just thought, I'd have gone through 10 times that and it would have been worth it. For that one reason, to rescue one of my four kids, I would have gone anywhere for that. Of course that would have been worth it. And then I clearly felt the Lord say to me, and I have a million of those that you know nothing about. Well done, good and faithful servant. When we say that we're going to believe in him, and we will follow him, and we will love people, and serve him, and go where he says to go, and give and sacrifice. There will be times, friends, where we don't understand what he's doing, but one thing we can count on is that it will always be worth it, for we serve a God who is worth it, and worthy of our trust, and worthy of our praise.